0: your host Jonathan Edwards and with me of course the space Bert to my space Ernie hashtag obscure FMD references Mr. Robert Lundgren how you doing (laughs) hello hello how you doing it's a weird time man it is a weird time I love my children but goodness do I need a vacation
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. My kids are are home, too. We officially start homeschooling on Wednesday.
0: Oh, yeah. We're already a week into that. It's a a trip, man. No joke. It's a trip. It's funny seeing the kids use some of the same tools that I do while I work from home. So Like, they're using Zoom and, and all the Google Suite and stuff. It's just, I don't know, it's a weird symmetry.
1: Yeah, no, I I think I lucked out, because the twins, I mean, they sent us stuff to, like, get the twins motivated, but it's just like, have them colored! It's like, I do that anyway! Done! <laughs> so, I've only really got to worry about the girl. Um, so, that'll be fun. We'll see how that goes. So, like, uh, yeah, for us, uh, Wednesday is our beta test week, and then it, we're supposed to, like, really, like, go all in on Monday. That's the plan.
0: Yeah, we've, we've started to get lesson plans, and we do printouts every day, and uh, Jessica's actually been amazing, kudos to her She has taken it upon herself to Every afternoon, uh, set up a schedule For the following day so that the kids can follow it Because I, my first meetings my, my meetings start up pretty early in the morning So I'm I'm pretty much 100% Engaged with work from 7.30 on So my my job Is to get everybody up and motivated and moving And uh, then Yeah, it's is a brave new world, buddy It's a brave new world We're all just making it up as we go along
1: you know what I really like? I was listening to our last episode, and you like explained the the working from home thing. And I was thinking as I was listening to it, uh, this, uh, that time was like, why are you explaining this? It's not like it's not happening to everybody, and we won't all remember it forever. <laughs> it's true. It's true. All,
0: everybody's a little bit different. Like I, I, I talked to some some uh, former coworkers recently, and they were telling me some of the changes that they've made. Um, and heck, I, I I know one guy who's you know my buddy Dale he like he's not even uh, he's not even working from home yet oh wow which is surreal because his industry is considered essential mm-hmm. even if I would put some pretty hefty bold quotes around that statement but hey what do I know <laughs> <laughs>
1: true 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 so we were originally supposed to go and visit the grandparents but we canceled that because you know social distancing I know I was supposed to supposed to come visit you and that's now canceled
0: hashtag social distancing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, no, it just it sucks cuz like, you know, I you know, cuz my my of course, okay, boomer. Like of course the parents like they're they're not taking this seriously at all because it seems to be Neither of mine. Yeah. And um so they're, you know, they're happily informing us that they haven't gotten sick yet and all that and that we totally could have come. And it's like, "Yes, but it's the what ifs." And I really don't want to murder you guys. Like that would make me feel a little bad, you know? <laughs> a little a, just little, a little, just a smidge, just a, just a smidge, just slightly, <laughs> just a little taste,
0: <laughs> just a little tasty guilt. Not the whole thing.
1: No, diet no. guilt, <laughs> just all the taste of normal guilt, but uh, just one calorie.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, but you know what? No, it's like, it's, it's cause it's not just them. You know, I would still have to drive four hours with small children that need to take potty breaks along the way. And it's like, yeah, man, like I, yeah, no. Yeah, the potty, the potty suddenly a lot
0: scarier than it once was. Like, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, I came home and I sat down. I went to Target the other day for the first time since this whole thing really broke open. Uh, Because for one reason or another, Jessica's ended up grabbing the last two grocery runs Mm -hmm. Uh, because we can't get delivery. Like, all the deliveries are at least a week and a half out, and most of the time when we go to our our local grocery chain and we try and get a um, curbside pickup picked uh, scheduled it's um it's just not even available anymore like all the slots are taken right Mm -hmm. which is good right good on you people like use those up and and i wish they would just hire more people to do more of that but hey that's that's a whole nother conundrum but anyway uh so i went into target and man it was surreal a like the first thing i noticed right when i walked in was the complete lack of people which is the whole point uh and then as soon as i moved in i had a a a pretty decent sized list of groceries that I needed to grab. And we just thought, Hey, maybe target has some cause we'd had such bad luck at uh, the local grocery store. Yeah. And, and our target has a full market in it. So I walk into the market and the shelves are bare. There's no meat, no dairy products, no paper products, no, you know, it's really
1: products. funny. So like, I, I still have a lot of Austin friends and they're showing pictures of all of that. And, um, we had a minor, minor run on milk here, but you can still totally get it. It just, you know, it it ran out for a couple of days and everybody Institute just get one and then, you know, done. No. And, it, and, it, it, and crazy, we still man. have meat. We still have meat. We still have bread. Like we never had a bread problem here. And I I've heard there's bread problems.
0: Oh yeah. No bread, no bread.
1: Yeah. It's no, nuts. And it like,
0: uh, it, it, there weren't even like chips, man. Like there were no chips. Like everything was purchased. It was surreal. And when I got home, um, I didn't realize like how much it was hitting me. And I sat down on the stairs and I just kind of started welling up for a second. And Jessica looked at me and she's like, oh, my God, what's wrong? And I said, wow, you know, like, I've never seen stores like that. It was like something out of a movie. And she kind of realized, oh, yeah, you haven't gone yet. Like, this this was my first trip since this whole thing began. Because she's seen it a couple times. And, yeah, and she she even related to me. She said, yeah, when she was standing in H-E-B, thinking about our large family and, and having to feed it and not seeing anything on the, on the shelves. H-E-B is our local grocery store chain. Uh, she said that she almost had a panic attack in the store you know to to all of you out there listening i feel you like i understand that there is a psychological impact to this well beyond you know fearing for for getting the virus or whatnot or or just having some agitation because your kids are around but like there's some other aspects to this that are surreal and genuinely impactful and this is uh yeah, man. It's weird. It's actually, it's, you know what I'd weird. be
1: really curious about? Because like I said, my grocery stores out here are not nearly as impacted. And I don't know what the difference is. Um, because like really, cause cause it hit up in Washington first. So we, we, I, it, it seems like we're like a week ahead of you guys. Like, yeah, that first week was kinda, was kinda, kinda hairy. Like people were buying gobs of water and, and all the toilet paper, of course. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just curious. Like, you know, it. it what's the local thing? Because like you, you guys said, you ran out of milk and bread. We haven't had problems with bread at all. I could I could go I could walk into Costco right now and buy all the bread I want. So <laughs> like they, outside they don't even have a limit on it.
0: Which you know is less than a mile from my house. Yeah, uh, they have somebody with a whiteboard out front every day uh, listing out the the items that they are either out of or low on stock of, and it's always yeah. The bread. oh yeah, and it's always the bread, and it's always the it, the essentials.
1: Yeah, no, no, but we, we have ours that. too. But again, we don't have bread problems like at all. And I'm like, what's the difference? Like, because there's a, like there's a pretty big bakery chain up here called Franz, and it's like it's just there's just Franz. Like, I, I don't know what the difference is. Like, I don't understand. But uh, anyway, I, listeners, if you have any any weirdness. that uh that you're out of or whatever that that just seems weird because like texas it seems bad like you guys are out of meat i've heard you're out of yeast
0: yeah Um, so you can't get any flour you can't get any yeast you can't get any meats if you do get lucky enough to find meat there's a maximum of two packages uh per purchase which is unrealistic for my family because there are seven mouths and so two packages is a meal yeah like you know, I cooked a, a, a meatloaf the other day, and we went through two pounds of meat just to make enough meatloaf to feed all seven people, and there were no leftovers. Some some vegetables have been hard to find, and and a lot of fresh fruits have been hard to find. Um, no That's weird. Sodas, no waters.
1: That's so weird, Jonathan. It's not. It's not um, nearly no that crazy. Paper appeared. products,
0: not just toilet paper. It's toilet paper, paper plates, paper towels of every shape and form. Like the huh. the aisle. You, you, you know the aisle at a target, right? It's two sides of nothing but paper products up and Yeah, down, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. completely dry. There was not a single product on an entire aisle's worth of shelves on either side of the aisle. Wow. Like stop and think about a, a, a grocery store aisle and how long that is and how much stuff can go on there for you know, 35 to 45 percent of the store to be completely bone dry, and that's the way it's been for three weeks here. People are insane. I don't understand it. Like everybody's come out and said our our local government has come out and said the grocery stores have come out and said, stop panic buying. You don't need to. But nobody's heeding the word, man. It's crazy.
1: Well, and the problem is it it just builds on itself because.
0: Yeah, it's like the gas shortage that happened the last time uh, we had the hurricane.
1: Yes. Yeah, I remember that. But, yeah, that's the point. Like, you know, because you and I don't panic buy. But I'm I'm not joking. I've bought a few things just because, like, I, I don't want to run out. Cause like when toilet paper got hard to find up here, uh, Costco got it in and I bought my limit, even though I didn't, I didn't need it. Cause I had like half a month's worth of toilet paper at home, but I'm just like, yeah, we, you we know started
0: what? to run low, like less than two weeks left, two weeks worth left. And we went out of our way to secure another package. And as it turns out, I'm glad that we did, even though we didn't need yeah. it right away because
1: yeah, no, I'm about to we're dump it th- now that. getting
0: ready to use it. And I still haven't seen toilet paper on the shelf.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure this I'm sure this is happening to everybody, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. Anyway, yeah, I
0: would I, be curious to hear about some of the differences uh, regionally. Uh if you want to reach out and communicate with us on any of the any of the uh digital forums. I am I'm, I'm very curious to hear about the different regional versions of this because we're all we're all going through something like this. It's just a matter of like, I I just wonder what the severity is in other places.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, I'm glad I moved to Oregon, man. It's uh, it's sweet up here. Yeah, man. It's a little different. On the plus side, the
0: weather here has been fabulous, unseasonably See, no, uh, cool. That, that's worse because you're not supposed to
1: go out in it. Well, we're not social I mean, distancing. Like,
0: we have all we have all the windows open, and it's lovely. Like you get a nice uh, okay. kind of breeze through the house. It's amazing. We do go on walks, but we stay away from other people. And actually, kudos to my neighborhood. Not that anybody in my neighborhood's listening to this, but kudos, absolute kudos to my Dale
1: neighborhood.
0: Is. Hi, oh, Dale is. Yeah, that's true. Dale is. Hey, Dale. Somebody had the bright idea to do uh, teddy bears in the windows for the kids to walk around and still get their exercise and do like a scavenger hunt. Mm, and yeah. so all up and down my neighborhood, um, I went out because the weather was so nice. I just rolled down the windows and just went for a short drive, not going anywhere, just to get some fresh air. And uh, like my entire neighborhood was coated in teddy bears. It was so sweet. It was like just... Whoever did it and everybody stepped up and put one in their window, just what a sweet gesture and, and well done. Well done to those folks. Our housing tract is not that large.
1: <laughs> I, actually, yeah, it doesn't
0: be- need to be, though. You know, if, if, if you've got a Facebook community, do something like that. Like I, I didn't if you had told me this, I would have laughed and said, oh, you know, that's kind of cute, but I don't I don't necessarily get what how it could impact but let me tell you like the kids got really into it and it was something fun for them to do that didn't involve other children and it was it was genuinely nice it was really neat
1: i'll tell you what i'll put that in my back pocket because the weather up here has been awful it's been it's going to rain for like the next two weeks but if, if this goes in into the nicer part of the weather i will uh i'll bring it up then that sounds like an oregon summer thing <laughs> all right all right let's get this show on the road let's get this show on the road
0: Alright, well if we're forgetting the show on the road. It's time for us to do our bi weekly thank you to all of our wonderful patrons over at Patreon. You guys help us keep the lights on. And especially in this time, um, you know, even if it's fifty cents, whatever, like we just so appreciate you thinking of us in this time. It just like it, it means extra special love this these these next few months, I think. So thank you so much. And if you stop, nobody's gonna judge you. We totally understand. Like you gotta look out for your family right now.
1: Yes. Not advocating stopping though. No, no, I'm but, not going mean, to advocate like it, literally it. But if he did, us keep the the lights of the show. Yes, I, I will. I will. I will nod. <laughs> but yes.
0: we are caring and loving human beings, and we care about each and every one of you. So if you do stop, we're no judgment.
1: No judgment. All right, Jonathan. Well, the national days today kind of sucked. Didn't like any of them. So we are going to dip our toe into the first. International Day Ooh. on the Forgot My Dice podcast. Oh, and I like this one. Happy International Beaver Day. So, this day got fired up in 2009 by Beavers, Wetlands, and Wildlife, and it is set on the <laughs> birthday of Dorothy Richards, also known like as that. the Beaver Lady. It
0: sounds like a website that you just shouldn't Google.
1: <laughs>
0: just <laughs> hashtag be where you're Googling. It, it, please tell me this is a Canadian holiday.
1: It is a Canadian holiday. That's where they started it up. (laughs) Ah, Yes. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And some fun facts about beavers. Uh, The Catholic Church for a while classified beavers as fish. And uh, the beaver is the symbol of Canada. So, yeah. And uh, if you want to join in on the fun on the social medias, use the hashtag International Beaver Day. Follow that (laughs) on social media.
0: Careful following any links to that hashtag because who knows what results you're going to get.
1: I don't know what you're talking about, Jonathan. We're a wholesome family do podcast. I either do, <laughs> I. Um, you know it's hilarious. I, I I searched International Beaver Day, and I don't know if it's like Google knowing me or whatnot, but so many gifts of that scene in the Naked Gun came up for me.
0: <laughs> Google does know you. Yeah. 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 Fun fun fact: uh, Beaver beaver pelt uh, is used in a lot of traditional hats. So a lot of traditional cowboy hats and hats such as Indiana Jones's hat are actually made of beaver. Ooh. In fact, I have a beaver pelt hat upstairs. Nice, nice. It is my it's like the most Texan thing I own. It is a a cowboy hat.
1: Let, let, let's move along. So so Gina is madly in love with your Ricardo Montabon. So with all of the smolder that you can. <laughs> Gather up your smolder, hold it tight like your children, and uh, yeah, yeah, hit her, hit her with it with this random know, text uh, of the gonna, Ricardo Montaban challenge. I'm gonna do a,
0: a slight Riker lean into my knee here. Okay, get the physicality right. Mm-hmm. Wearing a suit, no tie, definitely mm-hmm. uh, top three buttons open on the shirt.
1: Oh yeah, and and your 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 chest hair is popping. It, it always
0: is. It's not my fault. I was just born this way.
2: Cats are great companions and they can be a lot of fun. A cat won't need to be walked like a dog, but he will need a clean litter box available at all times. If you don't keep the litter box clean, there is a chance your cat may begin relieving himself on your rugs and your furniture. In fact, a dirty litter box is one of the most common causes of cats eliminating outside their box. Some daily maintenance is necessary to keep the box appealing to your cat and you'll need to do a thorough cleaning about once every week, more frequently if you have more than one cat. (laughs) Learning how to keep your cat's litter box clean will help ensure that your furniture remains unsoiled, and your cat... Remains happy. As happy as I am right now, just thinking about it. (laughs) It would be at this point that I would take a sip from my overpriced tequila glass. Slow.
1: Oh. So slow. All right, Jonathan. Let's, uh, let's... (laughs) You're welcome, Gina. Moving along. You might want to open the windows to the
0: house now and... Start the breeze, because I just warmed it up a bit. <laughs> Your love life thanks me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that thump was my forehead hitting the mic, because I just don't even know what I'm saying anymore.
1: Nice. All
0: right. Well, it's time for us to move into our first segment, and of course, that is our off-the-shelf segment. And our off-the-shelf segment is where we talk about all the things that we've had off of our shelf, onto our tables, and into our hearts. And I'm going to start us off with something that I don't usually get a chance to do, and it's it's not 100% to the, the uh, specification of the show notes, but I will say that I think it's in the spirit of the show notes. I built a miniature of sorts. Go on. Uh, for the last three to four years, I have had, collecting dust on my shelf, the Lego Ghostbusters Lego Ideas uh, Ecto-1, and I finally had a chance to get it off the shelf, and I just sat down uh, the other night and i spent oh i don't know 5 or 6 hours just putting it together real slowly and and carefully while while uh, doing some other stuff around on on my desk and and man i had such a blast i had so much fun and this set looks so cool and now i got a little ecto one on my table
1: nice yeah i i bought that set ages ago and i put it together when it came out jonathan <laughs> but yeah no that's a that's a real fun set to build it has all the little lego ghostbusters and good stuff
0: yeah, you even built a little standee for the Ghostbusters. Yeah, that little
1: thing. Yeah, The
0: only thing that I wish that it did was that the doors opened.
1: Yes, true that. Although that would make the set infinitely more complicated. It would.
0: It would. Um, but I like it because, you know, it, I, the other thing that I have sitting on my shelf that I, I never, ever make purchases like this, but I did on this one occasion because I love Ghostbusters so much, I bought the Lego Ghostbusters Firehouse set quite some time ago, actually about the same time that I bought this. Nice. And the reason that I finally broke down and bought it was because I found out that the Ecto-1 is the perfect size to fit into the garage area of the firehouse. Nice. Now, when I'll have an opportunity to clean out one of my shelves enough to, um, you know, basically build this thing on top, I don't know, but it's there and that day is coming maybe before I hopefully, like, you know, leave the earth.
1: Well, you know what? Just make sure you put a sticky note on it. that says, if I die for Robert and I will build it in your honor.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to I will do that.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I have built nothing. So there you go. I've been looking right. at Tia not for a while, but yeah, haven't haven't pulled the trigger on that. Well, let's hop over to video games, shall we? Cool. Well, I'm easy. I got myself, I've been playing Overwatch because in this time of social distancing, it is the game I play where I can just log on and usually somebody I know is playing with it and thus I can talk to them.
0: Nice. Yes. I have been playing Sea of Thieves for the same reason.
1: Oh, that game looks fun.
0: Uh, It's super fun and the second season's worth of, uh, or the second year's worth of content just came out and uh, so there's a bunch of new stuff in there. Mm, fun. And, and when you get a couple of people on a boat, it's just cruising around the high seas and you can even sing shanties and stuff. And yeah, it's a good time. I'm having a good time.
1: Also, uh, I have a friend. Hi, Brian. If you listen to this, he uh, he had like a board gaming afternoon thing that they were doing. But because of social distancing, they have moved that onto the Internet. And then I completely spaced because uh, it happened uh, Saturday, actually. And I didn't even realize because <laughs> I I gina has been on vacation and I have completely lost track of days. You know, like she's here, we're here, we're stuck in the house. Nothing's changing. It. it I. I completely lost track of what day it was. Anyway, uh, but because of that, another friend of mine, Hi Angel, uh, got me uh, or gifted me a copy of Tabletop Simulator. So yes, I. Uh, I need to fool around with that a little bit. You know what I just found on it, by the way. I. Uh, I found Secret Hitler, but someone if if Secret Hitler kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth because of Nazis. Uh, they have a Secret Papal Team. And it's just rethemed with Star Wars.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it.
1: So I Man, know Ray. They need, to, they, need to, they need to do that for real. <laughs> <laughs> so I know Ray wants to show me the ropes of it because he's been playing Gloomhaven on it. And what I am suggesting is Ray, I have it. Jonathan, do you, do you have it? Yes, absolutely. I have it. Okay. Ray, the ball's in your court. You need to figure out a time that we can, you know... Arrange something. Oh, hold Maybe on. We'll hold make a f- hold on. Are you ready? What?
0: <clears throat> At 9 p.m. on March 30th, 2020, I, Jonathan Edwards of Sound Mind and Body, do declare that Robert Lundgren has, in fact, placed the ball in Mr. Gray, Ray Greenlee's court. Mm, Mr. Ray mm-hmm, Greenlee, mm-hmm. the ball is in your court.
1: Official. Tip of the hat. Boom. Now it's official. Now he has to do it. There you go. And, uh, also, uh, a new expansion for city skylines came out and I don't know why it spoke to me the way it did, but I bought it and the, I didn't have the college expansion. So I bought that too. And I bought a pack with a whole bunch of other stuff and I have been playing the PS4 version of city skylines for no reason I can fathom, but I'm really having a good time in it. It's quite nice. Fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I saw
0: the new city skyline uh, expansion came out. I've been meaning to dig into it.
1: Yeah, it's all right. It's, uh, it, It smacks of the final expansion to me because it's a lot of odds and ends. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really have a theme. It's just like, you know, like they did the industries expansion and this one adds in fishing industries and it's like, well, it's just because they couldn't get fish ready in time, but then here it is. And then there's a whole bunch of like, uh, they started releasing, they have different forms of mass transit. And they released a bunch of stations that are like combos, so they have like the monorail train station so you can you know have them together and then if people transfer from one thing to the other, they can do it in the building and not have to exit or you know the bus uh you know subway station uh the two big things that they added to it were one you can make your subways now go above ground so they can be metros oh nice. and kind of in this in this weird zone between like trains and uh, uh uh city trolleys
0: is it like an elevated
1: train uh you you can do that uh nice. they have they have elevated and non-elevated stations. And then they also added in uh, – they're kind of like city trolleys. They functionally are basically the same thing. But instead of having the little city trolleys that run in the middle of that one type of street, you can have um, uh, uh, electric buses that run on wires. and they I like fun- it. They functionally do the same thing. Also, they added in like uh, basically Greyhound. You, know, you can put in a bus stop where buses will come off the map and drop people off there for like vacations or moving or whatever people hop on buses for. So, yeah, you, they, they added that in, which is nice because uh, in that game, you don't have a lot of ways to pull tourists in uh, in the early game because, uh, you know, like airports and stuff are kind of like a late game thing. But uh, the buses, you get pretty early. So, yeah, you can have people come to your little town by bus uh, pretty easily. And that's it. That's what I've been playing. What have you been playing?
0: Recently, I you know, I, I'm i a, a fan of baseball. It's not something I get a chance to really explore often. Uh, but I do follow the season, uh, and you know, you you will generally find me with the San Diego Padres hat on because I don't know how to root for winning teams, and um, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Oh God, Chargers and Clippers too. I'm just coming out with it and saying it. But uh, yeah, so um, you know, I I generally follow the baseball season uh, pretty closely online. I watch you know highlight clips and stuff. And unfortunately, we don't. I don't have the time to to follow it as I once did. And without baseball uh, this year, I was kind of a little sad. I was a little bummed out. I don't usually get baseball video games because it's just not my thing. I don't know why. It just never uh, really did much for me. And the the new simulator baseball games tend to be just so complicated. You know, it's like I I don't have time to get into a a simulated sports game like that. So anyway, uh, cut to the chase. A buddy of mine suggested I pick up a game called Super Mega Baseball 2. And it was really, really cheap on Steam, so I picked it up, and uh, now I find myself uh, t- what uh, 18 games into this to a, a full season. <laughs> nice. And it's not too complex. It, it, it really captures the spirit of the the um, showdown between the pitcher and the batter, which I really, really like. And uh, it's got this fun, goofy, uh, overblown cartoon style to the characters. And it's got a bunch of fake teams that are super fun. And it's even got a logo editor, so you can make your own fake team. And uh, if you really, really want to, you can go in and make all your uh, MLB stars, um, you know, in there and and have some fun with it. And, yeah, I have just been having an absolute blast with Super Mega Baseball 2. And then I found out that uh, come April, Super Mega Baseball 3 is coming out. And now I have something to look forward to in in regards to baseball. Aw. Well, that's cute. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm really excited because uh, Mega Baseball 2 is really fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Well, that takes us through video games. Uh, how about reading?
1: Not a whole heck of a lot on my end. I, I have a bunch of books and I, I haven't touched them. <laughs> uh, well, I've touched them. I just I haven't read enough to really make it worth a darn. About the closest thing I got to is I'm about 30 or 40 pages into the Explorer's Guide to Wildemount, Uh the new D&D book based off of the Critical Role campaign setting. Yeah. I'm finding that book a little inaccessible and I'm realizing the reason is, um, so Matt Mercer actually wrote it and it's obvious to me that it's wrote from the point of view that you probably watch the show. And since I don't, they don't ease you into it very well. If that makes any sense, they do a little bit, but it just seems like I I'm, I'm neck deep in the fluff and it, it seems like they could have done a better job of ramping it up, I mm. guess But, you know, I mean, I'm not the intended audience, so what the hell do I know? (laughs) It's an interesting setting. What I do, so Wildmount is basically kind of Eastern Europe, I guess, of of that world. Um, It's basically four nations. What's interesting about it is two of them are currently at war with each other while the campaign's going on, and it's nothing that the players could have done or stopped. It's just these two nations, they are opposed for very kind of valid reasons. And uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting in that regard, because there's a lot of A lot of D&D settings don't deal with war particularly well, even though war was fairly common kind of in the sort of era that D&D settings are supposed to take place in.
0: Yeah, you you really hit a good point there. They don't handle mass conflict well at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's because, like, players are supposed to be the protagonists, and so if there's this war going on, it feels like a player should influence it or be the cause of it, maybe, and so a lot of them ignore it. (laughs) But, like, Forgotten Realms, like, I, I might be wrong about this, but... I think the last time any nation state in the Forgotten Realms that wasn't like one of the evil ones actually like annexed a kingdom was when Cormier like took over a piece of the Dales at some point and took that one village. And yeah, you know, it's just weird because like. Uh, in D, like they portray war a lot as like the good guys versus the bad guys and a lot of the various nation states within the forgotten realms are good you know and so it's like when there's war it's like oh the 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 devil fish have risen up from the oceans oh you know this thing has happened this evil thing you know kind of kind of lord of the rings esque. but you know the reality is like in the real world if you have kingdoms next to each other like occasionally they're just going to go at it because there's just things going on you know and yeah. And uh, I don't know, uh, Matt Coville did a really, really good episode on why wars happen in part of his running the game series. And yeah, you know, it's just, uh, it's it's interesting that this is the first d setting I've seen where it's like this war is happening. Your players have nothing to do with it. It is just a thing that is happening in between these two nation states and you can play around in it, but it is sort of above your p- play grade at least you know when you're a starting character and it's just it's weird <laughs> I, I i gotta give them some credit that, w- that was actually kind of interesting and then one of the two sides of the war there's this kind of like standard sort of dnd theocracy kind of they're not bad guys though but they're not like they're not like a great nation they're not like a bad nation they're just kind of there and they're going to war with a realm that is a bunch of drow that have come up from the underdark and rejected Loth and decided to worship like this old sun God that they found out about. And it's, it's weird. <laughs> and, but I, you know, but I like it because there's uh what's interesting about the world is he took a lot of like very standard D and D tropes and some of them he embraced and some of them he kind of, you know, twisted a little bit to make it interesting. And mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting mix where, you know, uh, cause again, these two nations that are going to war, neither one of them are bad guys. You know, n- none of them are mustache-twirling evil, like, we worship evil gods, let's go sacrifice people. And then the other guy's are like, you can't sacrifice people, we'll fight. No, it's just, it's they just don't like each other, because they're both basically theocracies, and their their belief systems are incompatible. And that's kind of why they're going at it, kind of not, but it's, uh, it's interesting. Like, it, it's interesting that there's, like, a nuanced war in a D&D setting, so i will give credit where credit is due on that that one is interesting also the class pass they added in maze amazeballs because uh i i'm not i'm not a big wizard fan but they have like a gravity wizard and a time wizard which are kind of fun looking even though I, I hate playing wizards but they have uh the echo knight which is hilarious you basically the fluff of it is you pull a version of yourself from a dying reality so there's this kind of like ghost you and then all of your class features are based off of you manipulating ghost you and being able to do stuff with it
0: oh interesting
1: yeah it's kind of fun and one of the things one of the early things you can do is your ghost you can't initially go more than 30 feet away from you like if it's 30 feet away from you and you walk backwards or you get knocked back like it vanishes until you can bamf it back into existence because it's pretty easy to do it but one of the things you can do is you can switch places and so you can use like ghost you to try to get somewhere and then you know you could you you can get yourself you know extra movement because you could have ghost you move and then you can switch places and then you, you can take your turn which, you know, there's, there's a lot of fun interactions with it. Like, it's really dynamic, uh, especially if you're using, like, miniatures and stuff. So I, I actually want to play that, assuming I ever play d and with miniatures again, because
0: it seems really fun. You're asking a lot of, of humanity right now.
1: Yes, yes. Well, Tabletop Simulator, baby. They got virtual miniatures. Oh, man. Huzzah. Why
0: Why haven't, like, hey, War Machines? Because we all know
1: that is that not going to do this. You should go into the Steam Workshop of Tabletop Simulator and type in War Machine and see what pops up. Yeah, but is it official? No. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah, that's what I'm saying. We need an official one. You know, like, we all know that Games Workshop isn't going to do it. So, hey, Private Here Press, let's, let's, let's go ahead and make this happen. Because I've got a VR headset, and I would love, 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 and pay money to play War Machines uh, online. Because, unfortunately, right now, uh, it's all community-based. And guess what? The community here in Austin is dead. So, what have you been reading? Uh, still working on Circe. Um, uh, almost done. I think I've got 60, 70 pages left. I just need.
1: Isn't it. that a fantastic book? Uh, so I have
0: told you many times, I absolutely adore the writing style, and I've been having a great time with it. So, by the, by the time the next episode comes out, I should have finished it, and then we will be able to discuss it more. Just for something a little less heady, uh, I have been reading, uh, actually rereading, I should say, because it's been a while since the last time I read it, Console Wars, which is a phenomenal book about the battle between Sega and Nintendo in the 80s and 90s uh, for dominance. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. It's a super interesting read. It reads like a novel, but it's all real history.
1: Uh, Yeah, you said you're reading that as like a uh, book club at your jarb. Yeah. Is that fired up virtually now? Is that why you're still reading it?
0: Yes, it's uh, it's coming up in I think a week or two that we're going to talk about it. So I uh, I need to get it done. Oh, cool. Well, that's nice. Social distancing. Yeah, actually, work. Uh, we actually had a, a virtual happy hour the other day, which was kind of fun. <laughs> uh,
1: we all had. Uh, a you all got slobbering order. drunk on no, your, on Zoom. No,
0: <laughs> but we all sat on Zoom and we all had an alcoholic beverage and we sat down and uh, just kind of chillaxed.
1: Oh, man, it would have been better if someone got just slobbering drunk. But oh, well,
0: I mean, never say never. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong time, sir. That That's that's the future. We, we still got all the 70s to get through.
0: <laughs> oh, man, I wonder if we'll have a repeat of the 80s.
1: No, we're having a repeat of the 90s. Oh, my God. Are the 90s back? It's really depressing. It's really OK. OK. Uh, like, aside here, so uh, I, I can't... Uh, we'll get to role-playing games. I I've sort of canceled Marvosia because I've been too distracted with coronavirus and all my children here to, like, work on the campaign. Um, not canceled. I know. I was hiatus. all
0: excited about being the, the brothers.
1: Hiatus. It's on hiatus. Because um, I ran out of story to tell, and I just haven't had the time or the ability lately to uh, to make up new stuff. Although, one thing I am doing is I'm consolidating all of the various notes I have and all the lore that I have into one thing and i'm writing it like a DD product so if anybody wants to see my work in progress campaign setting shoot me a line because i'm that kind of nerd and i will be happy to throw that at you regardless uh so we're gonna play scion uh somebody else is gonna run it which sounds super fun i don't know if you know anything about scion it's basically percy jackson kind of you're like the you're demigods you're kids of the greek gods in modern times or not even the greek gods like a lot of you know, dead religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to be a, uh, ISIS's kid. Actually. I think that's my plan. Uh, regardless. Uh, they were like, yeah, we should set it in the past, you know, like the nineties. And then, you know, cause we could, you know, we, we, we can play in the past and it'll be fun and blah, blah, blah. And I realized that uh, most, I, I me and Gina are like the oldest people in that party. In that group. And I literally was a teenager in the 90s, and they're talking about how fun it would be to pretend to be a teenager in the 90s, and it hurts. It hurts so bad, Jonathan. It hurts so bad. Well, hello there, old man. (laughs) That's how I feel. Welcome to the party. No, that's not how it went. You have to put that flannel around your waist. You only put it on if it gets cold.
0: Oh, flannel. I remember you well. I had my flannels.
1: Are you from the Pacific Northwest? Did you don't know this? You don't know about these bands. It's 1992. See, here's,
0: here's the thing. Uh, growing up in San Diego, the, the, it was rare for us to actually wear the flannel because it was, it was too darn nice and warm during the day, <laughs> so everybody just had it around their waist. It was the most useless fashion accessory, accessory ever. Like, in the Pacific Northwest, it makes perfect sense. Yes, of course you'd have a flannel because if you need a little bit of heat, it's, a, it's a, you just toss it on. But the only time you need it in Southern California is, like, after 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. And it, I mean, <laughs> honestly... During the week, that isn't happening uh, when you're in high school. So it's it's like you you get to wear your flannel, actually put it on your shoulders like one day a week, <laughs> if that. Nice.
1: Uh, I don't even remember where we were. I I totally didn't aside. So,
0: why? <laughs> I think I lost it. All right, we're just gonna move on. M- movies and TV. I think movies that's all we got and left. TV. It is uh, okay. Uh, why don't you, you – You, I see a lot of uh, – I see a lot – you talked about the Steven Universe finale last time, I thought.
1: It, it happened. It aired.
0: Oh, it, it aired. That's right. It, it was aired. about to air.
1: Yes, yes. Was it good? So, yes, yes. Uh, it was – this whole season has been really weird because, you know, again – big earth shattering you know blah plot line and then this whole season is just kind of like what do you do after you save the world and talking about ptsd and all this just sort of like emotional stuff and then the series just kind of ends and i called it i called it uh the very last shot of the show is steven leaving town because he what does he decide to do now that he saved the world and everything hashtag spoilers Oh well, it's it's in the credits of every damn episode this season. Um, yeah, he uh, yeah he he leaves town to go find himself and to to be his own person and to live you know life. And uh, yeah, it, it was it was it was very sweet. It was a very sweet ending, you know it. it they basically it, what they basically got to do is they got to take the time of anything that they kind of dropped on accident. And they never really resolved. They just spent the season resolving a, a lot of that stuff and answering the last few bits of questions and, you know, little character moments and stuff that they just sort of need to get out of the way. That's cool. So, though, I
0: mean, how often do TV shows really genuinely get to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, yeah, it was good. So Steven Universe, future, excellent show. Not going to lie. When the show ended and I realized I wasn't gonna get any more Steven Universe, I got I got a little I got a little misty eyed. I it it actually made me sad Aww. because it, it was a really good show. Speaking of finales, Picard. Oh my nah, god! Don't tell me a darn thing because I need oh to sit down and do that. My that thing. god! That's there it. is a That's, scene. No,
0: say another word. There is. I'm you sh- just. You shut I'm, that beautiful mouth. You shut. Gonna, it. You I shut it speaking now. Speaking of vaguest of no. generalities. No,
1: Jonathan. No. There is one no, no, scene no. in the last episode that is mind blowing. I'm God, will you it just
0: shut your mouth. It's just mind stop it. blowing. <laughs> so good.
1: <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of scenes that got me misty eyed, oh my god, that one got me misty eyed. And if you've seen it, you know which one. Duck, you know which one. Ah, stop it. Still been going through DuckTales with the kiddos? Oh woo. Uh, yeah, that show's great. Sorry. You can't say that
0: and not get that from me. No, that's just automatic
1: great. at this dude, point. Dude, 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 did you play the old DuckTales video game? Oh, Sorry. Stop, it on
0: the NES? It. Stop saying the words. Uh, yeah, you? of course I did.
1: Okay. Do you remember the space, uh, the, the level that takes place on the moon in space? Yes. Yes, of course. Okay. Okay. What's amazing is uh, a bit of a spoiler alert, but the sh- it's not a show like that. So you find out that Huey, Dewey and Louie's mom has been trapped on the moon for 10 years. Yeah. Cause you know, reasons when they start, they do a whole episode about what she's been doing for 10 years. I recognize the music they're playing like her theme and stuff in that episode was the space theme from the NES thing. And then there's this part in the <laughs> oh, episode so cool. where she sings the lullaby that she used to sing to the eggs that are Huey, Dewey and Louie. And it gives words to that theme. Aww. And it, it was like, it, it like, like as I was watching that episode, there was something about it that was so warm and comforting. And I was like, Oh, I just want this episode's giving me a hug. How is this happening? And, I, and it dawned on me what it is. Cause I played that game so much when I was a kid. And it was, it, was, it was a very nice touch. So a bit of class on the DuckTales. It's on Disney+. Plus. You should watch it. It's excellent. And the voice cast is amazing. You know, you got the David Tennant. You got – I'm not even going to listen. It It really something.
0: is an amazing voice cast. I remember when they announced it. It's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and then, like, like people will come up. Like, they'll have, like, random one-off characters. You're like, who is that? Who, who, who's voicing that character? And then it's, like, you know, like Elson uh, Jenny – is it the, the lady from the West Wing who played the, uh, the communications director? Yeah. Yeah, she just plays a random character. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then, um, um, yeah, just that just, happens all the time where just some random character will pop up and it's like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> nice. So, or that gal, that person. And then, okay, so I am a child of the 80s and I'm realizing that my daughter was my age when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street. I was in second grade when I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, and it may have warped my fragile little mind. So there's this part of me that's like, I would never let my daughter watch Nightmare on Elm Street because, oh my god, I've seen that movie. But then I'm like, but, but, really. Aren't I a hypocrite? And I've been feeling I, I've been feeling very awkward about it. And my daughter has been pushing me to watch an inappropriate movie because she sees a lot of movies on the various streaming services. And I go like, Oh man, they got that movie. That movie's great. We're not going to watch it. And she's like, Oh.
0: <laughs> my kids do that. Get that too. And and yeah, Chloe's been pushing hard to watch an R rated movie too. If only she could get her privileges back.
1: I will leave that one alone. Oh, but,
0: hashtag bad behavior.
1: But. So, a, a movie popped up on stars because Gina got stars, of course, to watch The Outlanders. And I was thinking back on it. And I'm like, you know what? The Army of Darkness is rated R, but it's not that bad. <laughs> there's a fountain of blood and there's a lot of skeletons and there's a few people getting blown up, but it's not particularly graphic because a lot of it's played for laughs. And you know and then there's like a blink and you'll miss it scene where like some skeletons bring in some slave women with their boobs out and that was about it and i'm like you know we can we can just deflect at the right appropriate moment but i couldn't think of anything in there that was particularly i mean not like nightmare on elm street bad where oh you know, yeah
0: that's a little bit different
1: yeah so i i watched the army of darkness with my go? daughter oh my god she loved it Did she loved sleep? it yeah she slept fine all right good she did go and sleep with her brothers that night uh, and had a sleepover <laughs> in their room. But, yeah, yeah, she she seemed fine. I, I was really, really happy. And, like, one of the crowning moments of my life that I'll remember forever. Uh, so Ash is rebuilding his hand, you know, that scene yeah. from that movie. And, you know, doing his thing, doing the montage. And then he puts the hand on and he crushes the cup. And he, and he looks he goes, groovy. And right when he said that, my daughter's like, oh. <gasps> that's where you got that from, huh? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, did you steal all your jokes from this movie? And I'm like, yes, see if you can find more. And then for like the whole, she was like riveted the whole movie because she realized like, I quote that movie a lot. Just oh, part of as my do daily, I. as does everybody
0: yeah. from our particular yeah. corner of life.
1: Yeah. And she was just getting a kick because she was realizing that, you know, she, uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's part of my childhood. And that's something that influenced my, my brain. And uh, and then she asked me, what's the other movie that really influenced you? I'm like, airplane, honey. And she's like, can I watch that? I'm like, I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) While visually it might be a bit less uh, risque, I think verbally it's quite a bit more risque. Yeah. Let's not forget the autopilot scene. (laughs)
1: yes yes and i have a fun story to share about airplane because uh uh, brendan asked me to share it and uh, i was just going to text it to him because this was on the facebook's but i realized i tell stories better than i type them so i'm going to say it here because he listens and there you go and we can do that whenever you want uh but i'm assuming you'll want to get your lone movie out of the way first
0: uh yeah not uh not a ton of movies yeah we watched jumanji 3 the new jumanji um while it was fun and the kids enjoyed it, I did not n- enjoy it nearly as much as the second Jumanji movie, the first one with The Rock. It just retreaded a lot of the old jokes, and it had a really bad pacing problem. It was hmm. downright slow at times.
1: Well, I have that on, on my list at the library, so whenever the library boots back up, I will see that eventually. Look, man, I mean, I'm not going to
0: say it's not fun. I, I, we had fun and we laughed, but it wasn't nearly as funny or as, as interesting as the, the, the first one with The Rock.
1: But then it's got the rock in it. That man is a dreamboat, so I will still watch it. Be happy. Oh, oh okay. The airplane story. Are yeah. you ready for the airplane, airplane, story? airplane story? Hit it. Okay. 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 A long, long time ago uh, in the distant, distant past. Uh, my first like real relationship, she will remain nameless, but I, I was dating a woman. Oh, man. Oh, man. First relationships. But that's neither here nor there. One of her verbal quirks was she would say, surely, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, like I like bad movies, so I'd, I'd be like, I want to go see this movie in the theater. And she's like, Surely you couldn't You don't want to see that. And without fail, for the first six, seven, eight, nine—I don't even remember how long it was. It was a while of our relationship. Anytime she would say Shirley, she would. I, I would respond with, "Well, da 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 da," and don't call me Shirley. A la airplane. <laughs> what was amazing about it? I would do it every time, very consistently. And at first. She kind she ran the gamut. So at first she was annoyed, and then it rounded the corner that was funny. And then it rounded the corner that it was really annoying. And I can't imagine why we broke up six years later, but uh, this may have been a big part of it because <laughs> I was terrible. One day she lost it at me. One day she just started yelling at me. She's like, why do you have to do that every time? It's not funny. Why are you going to do that? And, you know being a young man and probably not knowing how to talk to women all that good. I said, I think it's funny. So I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and she's like, how did
0: that life lesson go for you, buddy?
1: Hey man, I dated her for six years and that was like year one or two. So I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah. That's a whole other story. Uh, so, Eventually, she had like the mental will that she's like, I got to just stop saying this because he's not going to stop. I need to stop. So she like buckled down and she literally like cold turkey eliminated that from her vocabulary. That's impressive. That is impressive. Eliminated it. It was it was amazing, to be honest with you. Like like she just the mental fortitude. It was impressive. (laughs) That's a pretty intense level of hate. I, I know, right? I know. Can you imagine that we had a bitter breakup six after six years? because like, I can't. But, I can't yeah. No, really. Yeah, that's uh, so, that's surprising to hear. <laughs> so no joke. Like seven, eight, nine months later, right? Uh, I I don't remember what our conversation was. I can remember where we have it. Like I can, like I I, I have a mental picture. We were standing in our kitchen. Uh, it was overcast and it was kind of dark in the house. And like I can, rem- it's it's so ingrained in my skull like the, the the setup of this she asked a question then she said but surely blah blah blah," and did another question and i had a really complicated response i don't remember what the response was but it was a good like you know like there was a long thing where i had to explain a lot because we were having a conversation about i don't even remember what but it was it was a long response <laughs> and i could see it in her eyes when she said surely surely that oh. she she was like 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 she was like oh my god i said it what is have i done do it? did she have yeah. what
0: have i done on her face yes
1: yes and as i was talking and continuing to talk like i talked long enough on purpose that she went through the is he gonna do it is he gonna do it oh this is taking a long time he probably forgot did he forget he probably forgot like i could see it just going through her head you know <laughs> and then at the moment where she arrived at Like, there's no way after this long of a statement he's going to do it. That's when I stopped and I said, and don't call me Shirley. Yes. And I just saw her break. Like, I broke her mind right there.
0: (laughs) I mean, part of me wants to say you bastard, but the other part of me wants to go, well played.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we dated for, I think, three and a half years beyond that but I I think that might be the point where I can pinpoint the start of the bad time where we probably should have, because it was our first relationship. I probably should have broken up with her three years before I did.
0: (laughs) That was the point where I knew
1: she hated me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Surely she didn't.
1: (laughs) I'm going to hell for that one. She really did hate me, Jonathan. Oh, don't call me Shirley. Shirley. There it is. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> what else do
0: we have to talk about before we by keep? the
1: way by the way speaking of exes and speaking of current wives oh god uh, no gina gina occasionally does spit out shirley like it happens on maybe like once or twice a year and anytime she does and i say it she laughs and that's why she's a keeper
0: i think uh i think that's one of the many reasons why
1: <laughs> that you, oh. you
0: know she digs that ricardo Montalban voice
1: yeah, yeah, so, but yeah, yeah, just, uh, just breaking. I feel like I need to become your will. voice text
0: for the sake of your marriage. <laughs> or your, 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 not your voice text, your voice, uh, coach, your voice coach.
1: I, I get along just fine in my, ma- she just likes it. She thinks it's fun. No, I know, I know, but I can just,
0: you know, give that little, little, little bit of extra oomph. That little, little something, something there. already know so often.
1: Maybe, maybe I'll have you do my, like, uh, my phone answering machine. Robert. Oh, I'll yes. Right that could be your voicemail. That would be amazing. Please. Leave him a message, and he'll get back to you as soon as he possibly can.
0: <laughs> I don't think he ever. I don't think he ever uh, growled.
1: Yes, but he should have. He. I'm not going to deny have. that. All right, all right. Board game, me, Jonathan, and then let's finish this up.
0: Well, um, special shout out uh, to our homies over at uh, Stronghold Games. I am continuing to play more and more Flam Rouge, and absolutely having a blast with it. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason that it's become my favorite racing game. It is friggin' fantastic in every way. My wife and I uh, have gotten back into playing Hero Realms again. She absolutely adores it and loves it, and uh, I don't know what it is about that game that sucked her in so much, but uh, we're now keeping score.
1: You were keeping score before. I think she was one ahead of you.
0: Yeah, well, for some reason we lost wherever that was, and I think it was in her phone, and she switched over to a, a Google phone. Mm-hmm, 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 but mm-hmm. uh yeah she's currently one ahead of me <laughs> nice she's, man i'll tell you what like i know exactly what to buy and when to buy it but she just has luck like her her draws are better like she always seems to have the right amount for the
1: right card it's disgusting hey luck trump skill i'd rather be lucky than good
0: and then played a little bit of the grizzled uh the original grizzled with uh um my old, elder kids Because uh, they wanted to learn about it because they'd heard me talk about it somewhere. I think I was talking to Dale about it. And then finally, we played some Starcadia quest in preparation for today's deep dive. But we will be talking about that soon. Indeed. Well, that brings us to the end of our off the shelf segment, which means it's time for a quick break. But when we get back from the break, it will be time for the wisdom of crowds. We'll be right back.
1: Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice
0: podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And welcome back to the show. It is downtown Broadway. That is, of course, bi weekly, although because of current events, slightly uh, anemic tabletop news segment. COVID 19 really does just suck in every way, shape, and form.
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you had that conversation yet with your kid where they want to go out and play with their friends and are crying and then they say this COVID 19 sucks?
0: Um, I can't say that we've had tears yet. Everybody's been pretty understanding, but yes, there's been a. A couple of uncomfortable moments where everybody was really sad and upset that they couldn't
1: go outside to play. And I get it. Yeah. I, totally I, I I've been there, done that so far. So good times. Well, on that happy note.
0: <laughs> indeed. Indeed. On that happy note, there is a little bit of news coming out of the industry. Not a ton, but uh, enough to, uh, to have a couple of things to talk about. And the first is that Bézier Games uh, has announced a couple of new titles for the day, year. Three to be exact. Cool. Name them. Uh, We're getting Silver Coin, which is the third in the Silver Series, which started releasing last year, Uh, and then two new strategy games, Whistle Mountain and Maglev Metro, which sounds kind of right up my alley, just from the name. Train Building, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Both look fantastic. Uh, Actually, I should say all three look fantastic, but uh, just looking at it, Maglev Metro's got uh, some really cool kind of dual-layer punch boards in action, and... You know, the Bézier games are generally pretty fun and and well put together, so I'm really looking forward to it. Nice. Uh, Yeah, so that's one release. And then the other release is that Portal Games has announced that they've got a couple of new games coming out this year. The first is a party game called Million Dollar Script. Not a lot of details on it yet, but it's about a 45- to 60-minute game uh, with um, 14 and up is what the suggestion is. And you are a um, German- Oh, no, that's the guy who designed it. The guy who designed it is a first-time designer named Daniel Stamm, uh, and he is a German film director, screenwriter, and editor. And in it, two teams of screenwriters are trying to pitch their ideas to Hollywood executives.
1: Nice. I like it.
0: And then we also have Robinson Crusoe, The Treasure Chest, coming. Uh, Basically, it's Robinson Crusoe, The Adventures on Cursed Island. It will have the complete set of Robinson Crusoe promos, released so far uh, with extra characters and a bunch of other stuff in there. So it's, it's just basically the everything Robinson Crusoe release. Nice. Groovy. I like it. And that's about all I could find.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I found, well, actually I just found a lot of depressing news. So yeah, COVID-19 it sucks if there's a convention I think Gen Con's the only one that hasn't canceled yet, and <laughs> we'll see. They're, they're holding out because they're they're back Well, I, I found out uh, why because I've seen people get pissed that a lot of conventions like don't cancel like immediately, even though it's like terribly obvious they should. And somebody who actually ran conventions sort of explained it that because of the contract you sign, um, until the government says you can't do this, if you cancel – Uh, the hotel still gets a bunch of money and fees. But if the show can't go on because of, you know, acts of God, as they say in the legal world, then they get a lot of money back. And so it's basically for a lot of these conventions, the difference between going out of business because they blow all their money and then get nothing for it, or, you know, they have to wait until, you know, they literally can't do it by decree. And so that's why a lot of conventions haven't been able to cancel right away because they need to like sort of what 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 a you know a standoff or whatever you know they gotta wait until they they can pull the whole this is an act of God we we gotta pull out and then they don't have to pay a bunch of like fees and whatnot to uh, shut down the convention so that was an interesting Twitter thread I I don't know if I can find it again regardless everything sucks uh, I am so glad I'm not running a game store right now because I yeah no don't kidding. know no do kidding. not know how long I could have survived this so uh, if you have a friendly local gaming store that you like. Uh, if they have some sort of internet presence or whatever, uh, I know a lot of the stores, both the, my local stores, Rainy Day and Rune and Board down here, uh, you can call them or they have like a web portal now and you can just buy stuff and then you just show up and they drop a bag out back <laughs> and you just go and take it.
0: Yeah, the the local store in our area is doing the same thing with the the drive by and they they sanitize everything before you go in. Yeah.
1: So, but yeah, just, uh, yeah. If you have a story you like, just, just buy something like float them some money. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, like, look,
0: you're stuck at home, do a drive by, clean it properly. Uh, make sure your stuff is not, is, is good. And then, you know, entertain yourself and your family. There's one player options. There's multiplayer options. And if you don't feel like doing that, you always have that option of, uh, ordering a gift card for later use. And that can be huge.
1: So anyway, yes, that's our, our PSA from us to you. Just. You know, and any little bit will help. You know, yeah, and, and and
0: I mean, mind you, keep in mind, it's not just FLGS, like it's restaurants too. Like one of one of my wife and I's favorite restaurants here in the uh, Cedar Park area, unfortunately, has now closed both of its uh, locations permanently because this is disastrous for them. They can't exist on to goes alone. Ah, which one? Uh, Mouton's, the um, Louisiana place. Oh, oh, really. Yeah, they've been there for eight years. Eight years, they've been a successful restaurant. And they just opened a second location in Cedar Park six months ago.
1: That uh, it sucks.
0: Yeah, and and with this, they just, I mean, the guy came right out and said it. Like, you know, thank you to everybody that's been doing the to-go the orders, but this is not enough to, to even pay the rent. Yeah, just support your local businesses. The The big kids have enough to kind of live off of for a couple months it's the little guys that that really get punished the most by these sorts of things so if you have it in you even if it's just buying a gift card for for later use that a little goes a long way with these guys true that true and the flgs is frankly having enough of a hard time in the industry as it is so don't don't you know do them a favor and just help keep them afloat for just a little bit longer it's not like you can get your amazon packages right now
1: ah Ah, that's
0: right one-time flgs coming to the rescue
1: all right, all right. Let's 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 move along to, to happier
0: things. All right, it's now time for our No Time to Bond segment. That means it is time for part eight in our 27-part series. <laughs> it's just hysterical hysterical thinking about a 27-part series. Uh, the 27-part series No Time to Bond, where we are watching all of the 007 movies in order of release date, which means that now we are uh, approaching the mid-70s, 1973 three or was it 74 i can't remember for
1: love and let die released on june 7th 1973 we are reviewing roger moore's first outing as bond in live and let die directed by guy hamilton now guy
0: hamilton has done other bond movies I'm
1: yeah he, he did he did the last one he did diamonds are forever and he did goldfinger and he's going to do the next one the man with the golden that's Gun. right it's, it's three in a row yeah um now
0: here's the weird thing i thought that this bond movie was uh just strictly from a story construction standpoint one of the most coherent to date so yeah from the, from the perspective of storytelling that we've often talked about how the james bond franchise has some really weird choices from a storytelling perspective where things don't always make sense and i thought this one was a lot more coherent than the average bond film
1: i think we could we'd both agree that goldfinger and to a lesser extent, Diamonds Are Forever uh, also were a little bit more coherent than some of the other ones, too. So
0: Yeah, yeah. But th- this is even more so than those two. And, and the other thing that I think is interesting that Guy Hamilton directed this one is that I found the villain in this to be strong and competent. He, he does eventually uh, succumb to his own hubris. But for the vast majority of the film, he's a step ahead and easily.
1: Although he does do a few things where it's like, why don't you just shoot Bond like right now <laughs> instead of like sending him away?
0: Uh, well, I think, uh, you know, obviously the guy's got a uh, flair for the theatric.
1: Yeah, that's true. OK, so uh, well, first off, uh, it was made for seven million dollars, uh, which was a bit less than the, the last few. And it made one hundred sixty one point eight million. So Roger Moore, good, good for show.
0: And but you know, what's uh, interesting about you saying that the the budget went down. I actually thought that this one had better effects because it never relied on special effects. It, everything was physical.
1: Well, a lot of them they were all physical. I think the big no, problem was re- they, they kept having they to pay Connery the- more and more money, so he was eating up more of the budget. So they probably true, had more budget true. to work with.
0: But like they did a lot of uh, projection screen stuff in the yeah. last ones, and this one they didn't do any projection screen. In yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. This one everything
0: was a, a physical shot, so you were never having to do any kind of post compositing or whatnot. Like this, this, this movie was. Practical effects through and through, and that was another thing I really enjoyed about it because it felt very grounded. I mean, not I, I hesitate to say reality, but it felt more rooted, closer to reality than than a Bond film traditionally has been up to now. Now you 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 put here that you you called it an outing into a black exploitation film, but I
1: mean, oh right- yeah, oh yeah, like you didn't see that? It was so <laughs> obviously a black exploitation film. Like they. I, 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 heck the wikipedia agrees with me like yeah they this was the era of that like they were they were it was, definitely riffing it on was, that without a doubt i mean it wasn't like it wasn't a black exploitation film but they were definitely riffing on it like it was like this is a popular film subgenre did, did, Why don't did you, we, you
0: find the movie to be racist how
1: about this if it was made today there would be certain plot points that would not happen at all well yeah without a doubt but I namely found- name, namely the voodoo the voodoo was a little bit in bad taste. Um, because it also was so pointless in, in the, the context it, it of is. the movie. I mean, yeah. it just gives you a cool character in Baron Samedi. Yeah. And, and why and is he even it there?
0: The tarot thing, a thing.
1: Yeah. But again, it's just like, yeah. anyway. Um, I didn't
0: find any of it necessarily distasteful. And and like, it's very much a, a how should I put this? It, more than even many of the other films, it is without a, a doubt a function of its of its age. You know, like this was the 1970s. Like, that's just what it was. But what I liked about it was that it, it it
1: treated the. You know what was mind bashing? You know what was mind bashing? Speaking of the 1970s. Sorry. Old New York. You know, old New York. Oh Holy my crap, God. I know. I know. Right? I know. Right. Like, so I was watching this with A1, actually, and she was like, she was like, why is that city so dirty? And yeah, I'm that's like, that's the that- exact
0: same thing that Chloe and Carlos said to
1: me. <laughs> the exact same words. And I'm like I'm like, that's just the way it was. Yeah. And so I found out Especially the filming location the, the for for the Flea of Soul in Harlem. And uh, it, it, it's an on a street. It was it was a filming location. They right? filmed
0: on location in Harlem, as I recall correct if I recall correctly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I called up Google Maps and I typed in the cross street and I'm like, this is what this looks like today and, and my child's jaw dropped on the floor. She's like, Oh, what? Yeah, and New I'm York's like, yeah. not
0: the same city it was
1: forty no, years ago, fifty years no. ago. <laughs> No, it was not.
0: God, that's surreal. The the nineteen seventies were fifty years ago.
1: Yeah. Weird. Yeah,
0: baby. Weird.
1: Yeah. Like I said, it's it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. And it's not or it's not even the worst Bond movie when it comes to being racist. It wasn't. It it just has it has a few it has a few basically the voodoo stuff. It like it didn't need to be there. It was there because it's like, look at all these, you know, people of color acting funny. Like it it was there to be exotic. And that's a bad reason to put that stuff in
2: the one
0: thing that I found actually refreshing to a lot of other 1970s films is that most of the, the bad guys, they didn't speak with any kind of accent, uh, or any
1: kind of, um, it, yeah, Mr. Big, I think is the lone exception. That sort of caricature well, yeah, but that he, he made. was a
0: characterization of, yeah, of, a, you know, that, that was being done by a, a, you know, highly intelligent, well-educated person. Like the characterization was to throw off the cops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: In, in fact, one could argue, especially as they all change that, that scene where they're all changing from their, their suits into their, um, you know, kind of more colorful suits, their street clothes. The, well, they're, yeah. Is it their street clothes or are they just assuming this persona for the, for the sake of throwing the FBI off? I, I, uh, I really both. felt that like that's what it was. Th- that's not who they are, who they are is a highly organized criminal organization, but they know how to play a part to throw off the scent. Yeah. Because who's going to look at, at at Kananga and all of his his the people that surround him and, and and think to themselves, oh yeah, they're definitely connected to these these you know New York New York uh, underworld gangsters.
1: No, I agree. And here's the thing: I actually have a lot like less to say about this movie because in general it was pretty okay. The creepiness of Bond was entirely Sean Connery because Roger yeah. Moore is a completely different guy. And even though, even though he, he Bond hits a new personal low, he hits a new personal low when he goes out of his way to steal domino- solitaire, steal solitaire's superpowers, which is messed up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he does what he needs to
0: do to get the job done. Uh, th- there was also a scene, remember when he was on the boat and the uh, CIA agent comes over and he, he he basically puts his arm around her and then grabs her tush?
1: Ye- yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, 1970s, but uh, I mean, compared to the crap that Connery did, it's nothing.
1: Well, and it's just because, I don't know, maybe Roger Moore is more jolly. But yeah, I, I don't know. Roger Moore definitely has a different vibe than Well, he has a whole Connery different did.
0: take on the character in general. And, and he's much more... You know, it's funny because even though um, even though I felt like the criminals were always one step ahead of Bond, I also thought this was a much more competent Bond than the ones we've seen in previous films. That's true. That's very true. It, 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 you know, like, it was a step up in the villain department because the villains were very organized and very methodical in how they protected themselves. And this Bond was noticing stuff and taking in details and, you know, little things like he remembered the the license plate of the car that uh that killed his driver in new york even though it passes him as just a passing detail he had no reason to look and remember that plate but that is something that somebody in that kind of employ would do
1: yeah no i agree it's and also he's not the worst spy ever because you know they they've gotten away from everybody knowing who james bond is you know and i don't think he introduces himself as much oh well, no he does he still does that it's a bad trope come to think of it but anyway regardless it's still I'm not going to disagree. There's oddly a lot less to talk about in this movie because Roger Moore is just Roger Moore. Bond is a very, he you're right. He is very competent. He's also James Bond is as a written character and how he's supposed to be is a lot closer to Connery and Daniel Craig and also, um, Timothy Dalton where he, he's just, he's a killer. He is a government killer. He's not, he's not really a spy. He's an assassin. And he gets sent on these missions with his license to kill basically to go take people out that the British government wants dead. That is his job. And in the books, especially as they go on, he hates his job. He does not like doing it. And Connery played that. Connery played that sort of like – and Dalton too. That sort of lingering like, uh I hate I, everything actually, about that this.
0: Was- That was something that Craig has done so well in the last couple of movies.
1: Well, and what I like about Craig is like we were watching – I remember when – and we'll get to this. But uh, Quantum of Solace, like like Bond can't not kill people in that movie. (laughs) Like every time he gets in a fight with somebody, he murders them even though it's really like – He's dealing with a lot of
0: anger in that film.
1: Yeah, but even then, you know, he like – he knows he needs to like talk to this person. But he just can't not kill people because that's what he's trained to do. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Roger Moore plays it much more like a um, an Ethan Hunt spy. Yeah, there's
0: a certain affability to him. uh, But at the same time, like it's often that he gets captured and you can see that he wasn't expecting it to happen. But then he almost assumes a characterization of himself because he knows that it gets people talking more. And the irony of the whole thing is I thought that characterization was it was almost like he was spoofing Connery. Yeah, I agree. So I wanted to point out one other thing that you texted me about, which was the intro sequence, the credit sequence, because this is the first time that you really get to see some fancy dancy stuff going on.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the silhouettes and yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a very large jump in, in, in technology and artistry.
1: Well, I mean, the whole series became known for those intro sequences. I wonder if he did everything else, anything else besides that Dracula
0: uh, that sounds
1: like a question for off the air that I will look into in my leisure, but yes, yeah. they would just kind of give that guy a pile of money and just say like, go make an intro sequence for us. And he'd be like, all right. <laughs> and boy, Woody. Also, one more thing I'd like to point out, uh, live and let die. Obviously, you know, it was made by wings and Paul McCartney. I found out that they blew most of their music budget, just getting Paul McCartney to write that song and, uh, he yeah, also, that song is so freaking good. Yeah, and he also wouldn't do it unless he was the one that performed it during the title sequence. Originally, they wanted uh, a, a different lady to do it. I don't remember her name, but you do hear her version of the song when they go to that club and the lady there is singing Live and Let Die. Yeah. Yeah, that was the version that they wanted to go with, but um, and, and they were thinking about not doing it because of that, but uh, apparently uh, – one of the one of the guys who uh, produces all the the Eon films, he had the opportunity to produce Hard Day's Night and he passed on it because he didn't think it would go anywhere. And he was like, I completely missed out and I'm never going to say no to a Beatle again.
0: Boy, did he call <laughs> he make the call, right call on that one
1: <laughs> because
0: the, that, that song is is it's ubiquitous with, with the Bond franchise and it's so friggin' good.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. I
0: love that song. that That is in my. That's easily one of my top three favorite Bond uh, intro songs.
1: Agreed. I, I did like
0: how the the obviously racist uh, cop was played off as a buffoon. I thought that was a very nice.
1: <laughs> it's uh, funny nod. It, it's funny that he becomes like a reoccurring character in the series, but yeah, <laughs> only once. Only once. I love the
0: car. I, oh, I, the other thing I wanted to talk about that I forgot to text you about. Was I liked that they riffed off of the um, the car chase in Vegas in the parking lot, but this time they did it with a plane because bigger, or better.
1: <laughs> yeah, the plane chase was so goofy.
0: But it's, it's goofy, but in all the right ways. And the irony is that it's just a wink, wink, nudge, nudge
1: at the one of the previous films.
0: Yeah, agreed. Uh and I also really enjoy the speedboat chase in this one cuz it's so physical and it's so obviously happening.
1: Yeah, well, I mean they just couldn't do it any other way. Actually, Anwin was really impressed by that too because um uh cuz like they do one of the jumps and she's like, "Wow, that looked really good." She's like, "Wow, they they have pretty good special effects." I'm like, "Yeah, you want to know why it looks good, honey?" And she's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Cuz they jumped that boat."
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the TV show The Fall Guy and then you'll understand what was going on in the 70s with stunts.
1: And then she she was like captivated with that you know where where i'm like yeah that's real that's real people driving a boat <laughs> and and jumping over ridiculous things and apparently they had like 30 odd boats and 17 of them were destroyed by the time they were just done rehearsing that scene or those jumps
0: <laughs> well it,
1: it pays off
0: because every bit of that on, on the screen is just so much fun to watch and it's actually well shot too very nice camera angles
1: yeah yeah and then the uh, the gator sequence too like when he ran across the gators,
0: you know what? Went, I, I looked for it to be goofy because yeah. I figured if anything in this movie is going to look goofy, it's going to be that. But somehow they pulled off the effect so that those gators actually have a, a pretty realistic look to them.
1: You, you want to know why? Those were real gators. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guy who they owned the they got Roger Moore to jump
0: across a, a couple no, gator
1: guys. No, no, they did not. That was that was the magic of filmmaking. They the guy who owned the gator farm that they were filming at. They were try They were going to do it with effects and the guy said, what? Well, I'll do that. I don't care. Give me some money. And so they gave him some money and he just put on Roger Moore's clothes and he ran across the gators.
0: What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> then I explained why it didn't look goofy. I had no idea that was a real thing. That's ridiculous. Cause yeah. I was, I was specifically waiting for that scene. Cause I was, I hadn't seen the movie in a while and I was like, if anything in this movie is going to look stupid and goofy, it's going to be this. And I, I watched it. I was like, Damn, that really came off. They really nailed that
1: effect. Yeah, yeah, it's good times. It's good
0: times. Oh Back man, there. that is surreal.
1: Yeah. Yep. 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 Anyway, yeah. No, uh, uh, live and let die. I mean, aside from you know, it's riffing on black exploitation and an English guy in a black exploitation movie is a little weird. Um, yeah, but they they other than I would that, like call it out in the movie. Right, right, right. I'm just like
0: saying. <laughs> when the when the CIA agent picks, picks him up in New York and he says, "Great disguise." <laughs> 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 I died. I legitimately had a gut laugh when he said that because right. it's it's right. Like you're a Lily White, you know, uh, Englishman, <laughs> uh, Englishman in in a way too fancy suit cruising down into Harlem in the '70s in New York. Yeah, you stick out like a sore thumb. And even the bad guys called it out, too. like It's like chasing a cue ball.
1: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, other than that, other than there's a few insensitive moments just based off of the time frame and needless voodoo sequences. Uh, no, it's not a bad movie. It, it holds up pretty this. well.
0: It was surprisingly sensitive given it was made in 1973. Oh, yeah. Well. And, and I admired how they gave a couple of the, the normal tropes you would see Kind of a, a nice little waggle middle finger saying we're British and we're better than this, <laughs> and, and one of them being the, the the southern racist cop being the buffoon of the film. I loved it, loved it.
1: Yeah, so I I don't know where this is going to rank overall in the the Roger Moore hierarchy because I I I I remember liking moonraker more just because of how stupid it was oh
0: god Mo- moonraker does not age as well as this one does
1: no but i think i may love it more for that <laughs> regardless because i love terrible trash film but i i remember this is i i remember this is i didn't my think favorite this was, of the of the more films i don't remember it being my favorite but i don't remember it being the obvious bad one either because uh i from my uh, original viewing, I remember thinking "Octopussy" was a little weird, mostly because Roger Moore was so old by the time they did it. It just it kind I was kind of starting to not buy that he could be this romantic lead.
0: <laughs> uh, "Octopussy" is uncomfortable because every time the camera pulls into Roger Moore, you're like, "Wow, he's old," <laughs> and it and, just doesn't work. It just doesn't work.
1: Anyway, but we're getting ahead of ourselves, which I think means that this this time to bond is over.
0: Yes, which means what? What's next on the the list? The
1: man with the golden gun, which oh, will be a good spe- one. No, this one's gonna be sad because it's got Christopher Lee.
0: I know, but that's also why it's a good one.
1: Scarabunga!
0: It's also got the car, the car barrel roll.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Although but, I'm gonna have a hard time not screaming, do a barrel roll <laughs> at the TV when it's time.
1: Yeah, but that'll be that'll be next
0: time. That'll be next time. So join us for part nine in the next episode of our No Time to Bond series. And if you've got some different thoughts or some opposing thoughts or want to set us straight because we done screwed something up, you know how to find all of our digital domains. But for now, it is time for us to put on our time travel gear, Robert. As we zip back in time a full year, 365 days ago, what were we discussing?
1: Uh... Wow! I put in today's episode eighty four. That is not correct. I, I noticed that too. That is. I not noticed correct, that sir. too. I did get the tell right. So forgot my dice episode. Uh, <laughs> 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 Hello, <laughs> <I'm> I, can, <laughs> I can taste the beets. Uh, we reviewed Fireball Island. Hold on. Hold on. For oh, my dice! I can
0: taste the beets. Mm. Oh, it's when I came back right after Amelia
1: was born. Mm-hmm. Episode sixty. Episode sixty. Thank you, Jonathan. It was episode sixty. Yeah, we uh, we reviewed Fireball Island, which I got from my library. I miss you, pal. This virus is killing me. I with know. oh god, I, I miss my really library so much.
0: Good. I miss it so happy much. Happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts of a three dimensional island with fireballs <coughs> raining down from an active volcano that is inhabited by the god Volcar.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah, it. it it still stands as a, a, a particularly engaging reimagining of what shouldn't have worked as well as it did—a classic game.
1: Agreed, completely agreed. Also, uh, uh, everything coming full circle. Uh, that was the first time I talked about *Pasión de las Pasiones*, no, no, uh, the no, ashcan no version. What? *Pasión pasiones. de las Pasiones*. pasiones. Okay. Uh, but I bought the Ashcan edition. That was the first time I talked about it was that episode. Um, we were going yeah, through Veronica. We are
0: just a little bit over no, a, a year later, and it's been funded for big, big boy pants. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I was reading book.
1: Spider-Man Noir, Veronica Mars, and I played Viticulture as well for the first time. So, um,
0: Viticulture is so good. Yeah. I yeah. really enjoy that game. Uh, who thought that making a game about winemaking could be so much fun?
1: Yeah, Agreed. So, yeah, no, good episode, good episode. I haven't listened to it, but, yeah, episode 60. Not episode of the whole. Oh, and incidentally, I remember when uh, your episode came around uh, with, uh, you know, or it's like she'll be here next month, and I said I did that because you'll get the feels and it'll make you feel happy because you'll remember that. <laughs> uh, I can taste the beets. That, that is my episode. So I will share the story again. Uh, my son Miles takes uh, large excretions. And um, one day he was on the toilet. He was feeling really proud of himself. And uh, they were eating beets at the time for some reason. And, uh, uh, oh, he used to have these really stanky ones. And I used to say, I can taste it. I can taste it. Oh, so stanky. Oh, so stanky. Oh, I can taste it. And then he started copying me. And he started, I can taste it. I can taste it. And then he was eating beets. And then one day he just looks up at me with this weird look in his eyes. like, I can taste the beets. (laughs) I remember that so much. (laughs) oh good times i need to teach him to say that again but uh there you go yeah and i remember with your episode i'm like i can't remember what the episode title was that that would make me have that but here it is it's back i can taste the beats (laughs) well that brings us to the end of our year in the life segment which means
0: of course it's time for another quick break but when we return we will be deep diving into the stars as we go on a starcadia quest Which definitely sounds like, that sounds like a 70s disco if I ever heard one. We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by hitting us up at one of the following. You can join us on Patreon where we post bonus content. You
1: can also message us or tweet at us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us in our Facebook group at facebook.com/slash group slash FMD Podcast.
0: If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give Forgot My Dice a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play.
1: Lastly, for those of you seeking experiences beyond our concepts of pleasure and pain set the lamont configuration to full hell mode oddly you can find us in several levels of the labyrinth as the only thing playing on the radio wait what i have such sights to show you jonathan
2: i need to take your
0: netflix account away from you and welcome back to the break it is now time for our deep dive segment and on today's dive we look to the stars
1: arcadia quest in the distant future of arcadia people have stretched out into the stars they're partnered with other planets to form the starcadian alliance together they bring peace throughout the galaxy however not everyone wants to play nice at the edges of the starcadian space supreme commander thorne is coalescing his forces ready to do battle with the alliance and bring the galaxy under his control can our heroes stop him Starcadia Quest is the latest standalone game in the Arcadia Quest family. The game employs the same player-versus-player-versus-enemy mechanic of the originals, but with new rules and theme that are out of this world. Players take the role of crews of two heroes as they must fight against evil minions of Supreme Commander Thorn. Over the course of a branching campaign, players will fight alien monsters and each other to find new gear, explore the far reaches of space, and to do their best to not become alien chow. Yummy, aka it's Arcadia Quest in space.
0: My friend, buddy, is not one hundred percent just Arcadia Quest in space because it has some big, kind of actually life-altering
1: changes. Jonathan, just let me have this, okay? okay? I've been stuck inside for weeks with my children. Okay, do it again. No, no, we're leaving that in. I already did in space. We're just moving on. So, how, how does it play, Jonathan?
0: All right, well, in our uh, Starcadia quest, uh, very similar to Arcadia quest, you start out by choosing a scenario. Now, interestingly, uh, unlike the original Arcadia quest, which dictated which map tiles you would use, in Starcadia quest, you actually choose the map tiles at random uh, and then you orient them based on the orientation on a card that tells you all about your scenario. So that means that you do get some variation, especially in terms of what pickups will be available on the ground at any given time, because the pickups are all based on what room you are in this uh, space station. Okay. So that, that's kind of one of the first big differences, even though you're doing roughly the same thing. So once you have the scenario set up, you go about uh, building your guild as an individual player. Now, unlike in the original Arcadia Quest where you chose three heroes, in Starcadia Quest you're only choosing two heroes.
1: Yes, I said that in my opening. Did you compare it to the original? No, I did not do that. Okay,
0: well then we have fresh material, my friend.
1: Blah! Excellent. (laughs) Excellent.
0: So at this point, what you've done is you've you've, you've got your scenario all set up on the table, and you've built your guild out, and at that point you actually start to uh, populate monsters. Now, another way that the game allows you to differentiate from um, playing the same scenario over and over again is that it dictates some monsters but some monsters are left blank which means that you can choose random ones from your deck of monsters and as you buy the expansions you're getting more and more monsters meaning that you can really highly randomize what what you're going to encounter now the original scenario will tell you to populate certain things uh, on the game board in terms of, of of starting monsters but as the game progresses you will be choosing cards from an event deck at which point uh, monsters will be activated and more monsters, will spawn in, meaning that uh, oftentimes as the game progresses, you will face a stiffer and stiffer challenge.
1: I'm so staring at these miniatures right now. I apologize. They're kind of sexy, aren't they? Yeah, okay. I'll save that to when we're going on the miniatures section. I, I'm getting ahead of myself. So play basically
0: breaks down into uh, a couple different phases. So first is each player will, will take a turn. So when you take your turn, you get to activate either of your heroes in any order. It doesn't matter. And you get instantly get four movement points. Now each square of the environment is uh, broken up into sixteen uh, mini squares, and each one of those is a movement point, basically to, to cruise around in. It also costs a movement uh, space to you, or pardon me, it also costs a movement point to use a portal, uh, of which there are a lot more portals in this game than there were in the previous Arcadia quest, meaning that you can zip around the map like crazy, which is kind of fun. And there's a lot of events in the game that trigger changes in the color of the portals. Uh, which really throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing as you're going through it.
1: So when portals change colors, are are the different colored portals the ones that are linked?
0: Yeah, so basically any, uh, any two portals of the same color are linked. Uh, so even if there's four or five green portals on the ground, they're all linked. So you can go from one green portal to any other green portal. Uh, the other uh, activation that you can do is you can attack with one of your heroes. Uh, now, you have to choose... Um, The same hero and the same hero will either move and attack or attack and move in any order that you want but you can't split it up you can't move two spaces attack and then move two spaces and every time you attack you actually have this really nice dashboard in front of you with these nice uh as opposed to the cards that were in the original these nice thick um two millimeter punch boards and those punch boards are your equipment You get to choose a bunch of equipment when you're setting up your team. You get seven pieces of starter equipment that you get to split between your two heroes however you see fit. Most of that starter equipment is just the basics like armor, which gives you a positive to uh, dice checks against defensive rolls, or weapons, which give you offensive dice uh, for rolls. But there's also a lot of upgrades in this game, and those upgrades give you extra dice on an offensive roll And whenever you utilize one by activating that hero and then doing an attack action with it, then you flip those over to their exhausted side. And the reason that's important is because the other action you can take if you don't activate a hero is you can rest, which unexhausts all your upgrades, lets you reorganize your upgrades if you want to, and if any of your heroes have been killed in the line of duty, you can actually resurrect them. Because if there's one thing that Starcadia Quest and Arcadia Quest both do, is it plays by video game rules. This is deathmatch with NPCs, in a nutshell that that's essentially what this is.
1: So <clears throat> question, I'm looking over these map tiles, uh, on the board game geek, and it looks like a lot of the map tiles have walls on them. You cannot move through the walls, right?
0: Yeah. So line, um, basically movement's real easy. Uh, you can cruise along as long as there's no wall in your way. Um, you can only move orthogonally, uh, diagonally does not exist for uh, movement and it also does not exist for melee combat. Uh, Now, in terms of shooting combat, you have a concept of line of sight and line of sight is very easy to determine every single mini square of those 16 squares on the, the, that formulate the grid of a single tile, um, has a little dot in the center of it. And if you can draw a line from the dot that you're standing in to the dot of the tile that you're trying to see, then you have clear line of sight. If you can't, if it's blocked by a wall or something like that, then it is considered no line of sight. And that's it. That's, that's the simplicity of, of determining line of sight in this game.
1: Oh, that's a little dot in the center of all those. Ew. One of the other things
0: that you do when you're setting up the scenario is, uh, the scenario will nascently come with a couple of cards that explain what your PVE, uh, goals are. So these are player versus environment goals. For instance, the starter scenario, um, you have the first person to kill three, um, three enemies basically gets a, a big bonus of, um, victory points. And victory points are tracked with little chits in the game. And the second card uh, basically says that you have to go into a certain tile, pick up this token that you place on the tile, and transport it to a computer terminal on another tile uh, to basically get that big upgrade. And as soon as both of those challenges are complete, plus one of the PvP challenges, which are very straightforward, uh, be the first to kill somebody on the other team to get their, their points... And that's how you, you basically end that first scenario. Now, every scenario is going to have some different rules around what ends it. Uh, but that's a really good uh, example of how you'll have a mix of PvE and PvP challenges.
1: I'm getting distracted by these minis again. Sorry. I need to stop looking.
0: Sorry. So cool. Um, once you have either moved or attacked, uh, you get an opportunity to activate a monster and that's done by drawing an event card. And most of the event cards will have a symbol in the middle, which tells you which of the monsters that you activate. Um, you basically, when you're building out the initial scenario, you have a monster card that you fill in with, um, with smaller cards that say what type of monster goes in what slot. And the event cards will tell you which of those slots is activating at any given time. And Whatever player is currently active is also the player controlling the monsters during this event, uh, event component, which means that you are all directly influencing the behavior of the bad guys, and sometimes they'll help you and sometimes they'll hinder you.
1: Question, uh, on this picture I'm seeing, they look like turret guns. Are those friendly or not friendly? As I understand it, and I have not played through that
0: scenario yet, but I did read the rules for it, um, the turret guns can be non-friendly and friendly. It depends. Some characters ha- can actually hack them.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Now, um, let's talk about combat a little bit. Combat comes in two flavors, melee and ranged. And determining what you um, get in combat is pretty darn straightforward. Game comes with a bunch of custom dice. There's melee symbols, uh, gun symbols, and burst symbols. When you roll the dice, if you are attacking with a melee weapon, you want to see melee symbols on your dice because that means that those are successes. Each success counts as a hit. If you are attacking with a ranged weapon, you want to see gun symbols, because that means those are a hit on ranged weapons. If you see a starburst, you're really happy, because not only does that count as a success, but it's exploding dice. You get to pick up another die and roll it, meaning that you can have ridiculous kills sometimes. Now, every enemy in the game is going to have a health level. Let's uh, let's say most enemies on the first scenario have a health level of 3. So that means you have to do three points of damage to them to kill them. Damage does stick around. So if you only do one point of damage one round, you do put a health marker on that enemy and track that. If you do a certain amount of uh, damage to a given character, in the case of the, the starter characters, for instance, who have three health, if you do four damage to them, that is considered an overkill. And if you do an overkill, that does not trigger what's called a payback reaction in the game. Basically, if you attack a monster and you don't overkill it, it gets to try to do payback to you. And payback consists of the a monster moving and attacking the hero who attacked it. And that's controlled by the player to the right of the active player, not the active player, unlike the event uh the event movement. Makes sense so far? Yeah, yeah. Um, so attacks and defense are calculated in the following way. Uh, you look at the weapon that you're attacking with, that'll have a basic number of dice that will, you'll throw, you'll check for your character for any applicable modifiers. And then you'll add those in. Cause some of the characters have a natural melee ability or some have a natural gun ability. And then you also look at those upgrades that we talked about could be like a red laser sight for your pistol or, uh, a certain type of ammunition. And if that is giving you a bonus, Uh, You calculate that in, and that's how you calculate your dice pool. As soon as you've calculated your dice pool, all applicable weapons get flipped over to their exhausted side, and then you start rolling dice. Uh, You calculate the number of hits that you've gotten off the dice, and then the enemy character will have a defensive uh, roll. And that defense roll is basically construct your dice pool out of however many dice is appropriate based on their defense or any applicable modifiers, and you roll. And if the dice face that you roll happens to have a shield symbol on it as well as a melee or gun attack or the starburst, you get a success. Each success blocks one point of damage. Pretty and that's standard. it. Yeah, that's, that's the simplicity of it. The nice thing is on defense, the starburst uh, also will act as exploding dice, meaning that you get some ridiculous defense as well. Then after that, it's video game rules. Everybody's running around like crazy. You're trying to kill uh, or or complete all the PVE uh, quests, and you're also trying to um, hamper the other team as well as kill them so that you can get victory points. And as soon as the prerequisite number of PVE and PvP missions has been completed, the game ends, and you calculate how many victory points everybody picked up, and that's the winner. But this has a much larger campaign mode where you purchase upgrades in between the rounds with victory points. So it behooves you, even if you're going to lose the round, to continue, purchase, uh, to continue collecting victory points because that will give you more currency to spend in the in-between.
1: Okay, okay.
0: And the game does come with a nice tracking sheet so that you can track a, a campaign playthrough of the game.
1: So how is the rule book?
0: The rulebook's kind of hit or miss, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, while it has all the information that you want in there, it's spread out all over the place, and I don't necessarily think that it's organized in a particularly great way. Uh, but once you read through it a couple times, you'll get it. And it, it, it's, it's not that the rules are explained poorly because they're actually explained very, very well with good examples. The problem is just organization. It just doesn't flow well.
1: Does it have the uh, index or uh, glossary or anything?
0: So there is an index in the back, uh, which I did find helpful, but there is and there is a table of contents in the front, which will help you as well. The, the the big problem here is that it references stuff back and forth a lot. So like you'll be on page four or five doing some of the setup stuff, and then it will reference monsters which start on page twenty six. So then you have to bounce back there, read a little bit, and some of it's pertinent, some of it's not. So it just lacks a little bit of organization.
1: Sounds like RPG source books.
0: <laughs> ah, yeah. Very much so. All
1: right, l- let's have a very, very quick conversation about these minis at this point, because... They're so cute.
0: They're f- so freaking cute.
1: I'm really digging all the references here. Like, I swear to God, the peekabooms, they look like the green slimes from a very, very old movie called Green Slime. Also, the Octacruels.
0: Well, yeah, and I have the uh, Kickstarter exclusives that came with it, so I have Totally Not Tron and Totally Not Blade Runner,
1: and... Yeah, I, I'm looking at them And, now, too. and everything
0: about the game, uh, from character names to... Um, the names of uh, weapons and the names of everything are all wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sci-fi names. So it's really fun that way.
1: Yeah, well, that's a, it's an Arcadia Quest staple. A lot of these games kind of do that thing. Eh, Major Tom. Yeah, he's great. Major Tom to ground control. Or whatever. I can't think of the song now, but Bowie sang it, which means it's good. Zenith Invasion, so they're totally not Xenomorphs. Yep, totally not. I love these minis. Octo Wow. Okay. All right, this is riveting radio. But yeah, the miniatures are, they're Arcadia Quest, but sci-fi. And they're great. Oh, there's Chell from Portal. Good times. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of good stuff. And if you buy into the system and you get some of the expansions, there's some really good stuff. So there's several campaign expansions available to you, which bring in new enemies and new gameplay styles and new quests. There's also some really cool stuff with uh, robots, which are basically like pets the cool thing about the little droids is that they break apart and you can actually mix and match the heads and stuff, which give them some unique flavor.
1: Nice. Besides the rule book, is there anything else off in the execution of this game? Besides that it's too adorable. Um, there might be too much adorable in that box.
0: The, the, the biggest complaint that I've had so far, and this is a one-time complaint to be absolutely fair, is that there's no kind of organizational guide in the rulebook. And so the first time I punched out all the equipment, I had no idea how to organize it. And when I found out how to organize it, um, it is printed so small that it's very hard to see. E- you know, and, and some of the letters look very similar to each other, meaning that it's hard to differentiate sometimes. And so the initial organization of those equipment cards is kind of a pain in the rear. And the reason why is because there's some cards that are marked with an A that appear in an armory space that it occasionally shows up in the map tiles. There's some that are uh, upgrades and that, that are specific to, you know, like basically plot points. And then there's level one, level two, and level three equipment. And those are um, how, what you buy into during the campaign. Does that make sense? Hmm yeah yeah so once you figure out what the organizational scheme is, like you can actually one of the greatest things about this game is it comes with a functional insert that you can actually take out and use to help control all of your um all of your chits and all everything. It's got a space for everything, which is unlike any CMON game i've I've had in the past because if there's one thing that I know about blood rage about rising sun about any other game is that once you punch it it just doesn't fit in the box right because they didn't leave you any room for punched tokens
1: that is cool it's funny there's pictures of it on the internet even
0: this one the insert is fully functional can be removed from the box placed on the table and is just a part of the gameplay and makes getting stuff and organizing stuff extremely extremely easy the only downside is they don't do a good job of explaining to you that you have all these tools or how you're expected to use them in the in the rulebook. So you're you're left to discover it on your own, which means that your initial setup takes some time. It took me forever to get this game set up for the first time. Every time since then, because I now have everything well organized and I understand what it's asking for, it's been an absolute breeze. But that first one is painful.
1: So what would you say the recommended player count is like? Is it two teams of two, or, or how many teams can you play? Uh,
0: you can do two teams of two, three teams of two, or four teams of two. And by, by two, I mean two characters, not two players. Honestly, it works at any play count, but this game is at its best when there is
1: utter chaos happening on the map, and that only happens when you max it out. If you want to impart one last thing about this game to our noble and awesome listeners, Jonathan, what would it be?
0: This is a refined version of arcadia quest not that arcadia quest was particularly difficult uh but this does smooth it up and speed it up a little bit i can't recommend one over the other i think it's going to come down more to theme for me personally i love the sci-fi theme it totally i just i think it's hysterical and it does a really good job of parodying uh the the a lot of the the tropes that we've come to know and love and especially parodying the the characters and how they interact with things Um, It's got a really cool campaign system. It's great for multiple playthroughs. And it's got a really diverse ecosystem of products available for it, which means that you can totally um, uh, extend out your playthrough. And the best part is there's even rules in the book for porting over Arcadia Quest and Arcadia Quest Inferno characters into Starcadia Quest and vice versa. Ultimately, it's a super fun game. Uh, It's easy to teach. It's good. I played it with my... 12-year-old and my 10-year-old with no issues at all, and I'm pretty sure that had Lincoln been around and in the mood, he could have played at 7 years old and been fine as well. Everybody loved the theme. Everybody loved the goofiness of it, and everybody loved how it was uh, half, uh, you know, stabby-stabby other players and half-stabby-stabby the game.
1: (laughs) Nice. I think we close this out, which is good, because I'm getting hungry.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of our deep dive of our Starkadia quest, which means that we are at the end of episode 84 as always join us on all of our digital um on all of our digital domains so that we can hear from you and uh, hear about your stories about what's going on right at this weird weird time and uh, before that robert any final thoughts
1: yeah everybody practice good social distancing stay safe please don't get the plague that'd make me sad i love you all agreed it's not convenient but it is helpful and it's for the best yeah yeah I don't know what else to say but yeah <laughs> anything else no that's it man. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I don't have anything funny to say I worry about our listeners and I want them to be okay I'm glad you find that amusing Jonathan <laughs> that's not what
0: I find amusing I find amusing how absolutely focused on food you are right now I can tell it I can hear it in your
1: voice yeah I'm really hungry I want to go have dinner <laughs> Well, in that case,
0: Robert, be excellent to one another and party on.
1: Party on, Jonathan. I'm going to go eat. I'm hungry. The music you heard in this podcast was intro by Elithiel. Additional music was provided by Brian Winkleman. Funding for the Forgot My Dice podcast was provided by our supporters on Patreon. Thank you.